The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chase. Alluded Pollock, here comes Dreisaitl, but Pollock able to scramble back. Dreisaitl in front, McDavid scores on a backhander to win it! A minute 22 into the shift, a tremendous hustle play by Dreisaitl, and he sets up McDavid for the winner! It's Edmonton 4, New York 3, it Connor McDavid back in the lineup, back from illness, and back leading the Oilers to a victory. 4-3 in overtime over the New York Islanders tonight. Leon Dreisaitl sets him up a minute 22 into the extra frame. McDavid also had an assist on a Dreisaitl power play goal in the first period. Sam Gagne scores for the Oilers for the first time since April of 2014 as the Oilers break a five-game Winless slide, they had been 0-4-1, and on home ice, winless in six, 0-5-1. First win at Rogers Place since January 14th. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 10.05, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, Rob, the Oilers rally again, uh, a late-tying goal, not quite as late as some of the other ones we've seen this season, but we have seen numerous times, especially on home ice, where the Oilers give up one, then they give up two, then they give up three, Chicago game four, and it just gets out of control, and they're out of it. Well, the last seven minutes of the first period, everything went wrong for the Oilers. Uh, The Islanders score to get back in the game. The Oilers go down two men. The Islanders score two quick power play goals. And you mentioned it after the first period. How are they going to come out? Well, they didn't play great in the second period, but it was a, a calm second period. And then in the third... I, the Oilers took over. I mean, the, the cleft bomb goal wasn't even their best chance in the third, but it was the one that went in. So what, what I liked tonight was they didn't let a bad section of the game, a relatively short section of the game, ruin the whole night for them. Well, I mean, when, when they gave up the, the three, it was just a matter of getting to the end of the period in the first period. There was about 10 seconds to go. The Islanders almost scored a fourth goal. They got another great opportunity, but the Oilers got through the period and they got to regroup. And they came out in the second period and had an, a non-event period. Nothing happened either way. So it calmed them down, and they knew they had to push in them. And what you like about the Oilers game tonight was the play of lines two, three, and four. Players that haven't contributed a whole lot offensively had pushes tonight. They, they had offensive zone time. They had momentum-changing shifts, and they just kept going. And we've seen too many times in the past where Connor and Leon will be out there, have a great shift. They'll be all over the opposition, the shift will end, the next line comes out and it becomes a stalemate, then the third line comes out and now you're in Edmonton's end, and now the fourth line comes out and you're stuck in your zone, and when Leon and Connor get out again, you're you're backpedaling. Well, tonight it was the opposite. The, the second, third, and fourth lines had their opportunities and were pushing forward and creating scoring chances, and sometimes the puck doesn't go in for you, and, and Leon and Connor had a, created a number of chances throughout the game, but the puck wasn't going in, 
but the third and fourth lines, or the second, third, and fourth lines pushed for us, and they scored the goals tonight for them. Uh, a huge goal. Milan Lucic, simple play, and we talked about it. Put pucks on that. And the one thing we talked about at the end of the second period is it's going to be a fluky goal that's going to be the one that ties it. Just put pucks on net. That's where good things happen. It, it was just a simple play. Puck on the net with guys going to the net. And you also saw the importance of an Oscar Kleffbaum back in the lineup tonight, or for the last couple games. Uh, what he brings to this team. So uh, it was a, a, an important two points. I'm not saying that the season would have been done had they lost, but they would have been eight points out, ten points after a game tomorrow night, and that, that's getting too big a road for them to, to, to go through. So huge two points, momentum builder. They went on home ice on, on Saturday. They got five out of six on home going on the road, feeling pretty good about themselves. The Oilers outshot the Islanders 26-10 after the first period. The Islanders are now 24-1-4 and when leading after two, so they still do get a, a point tonight, but only five times in 29 games when they've led after two have they not got the, the two points. So in the third period, I mean, obviously it's a little bit of both, but I'm wondering what you saw specifically from the Islanders' play. We know what the Oilers were doing, pushing. You mentioned putting pucks on net, keeping plays alive. Sometimes a team will get too passive. Now, the Islanders have played with a lot of leads, obviously, and prevented a lot of goals, given where they are in the standings, and they're the best goals against team in the NHL. But did you see anything too passive in their game or too tentative? Well, most teams, when they have a lead, they, they become very defensive. Uh, they uh, get pucks over the red line, dump it in. They don't try to beat guys. I mean, there were a couple saves in the, in the third period that... Koskinen had to make and a couple good defensive plays. I mean, Matt Martin walked in by himself, and it was a great defensive play by, by Russell. There was a, another great scoring chance that Koskinen made a, a save in late. Those, if they capitalize on, all of a sudden, everything the Oilers pushed was for naught. But they got the save they needed, and the Oilers play with more desperation. It would be a team with more desperation. They are on the outside looking in by a long ways right now. The Islanders are very comfortable in a playoff spot. This game didn't mean as much as them. Uh, a point to them was more important than one single point to the Oilers. The Oilers needed two. So the Oilers, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll hang on. At the very worst, they score a goal, we'll get a point, and it's still going to help us in the standings. The Oilers played with more desperation, and they, made, they played with desperation from top to bottom, and that's something we haven't seen. So uh, at the end of the night, I think the score is certainly indicative of the way the game went. The Oilers deserved two points. They were the better team. It took the Islanders almost 12 minutes to get a shot on goal in the second period. Nine and a half minutes into the third. It was a dangerous one. It was that tip in front, Everly off the give and go. So Koskinen only faced the 23 shots tonight, but he gets the win. And for him, I mean, he's got he's to feel great. Because most when it comes to contracts and that kind of stuff, goalies want a save percentage. During a season or when they look back on their career, they say, tell me what's in the win column. Well, whether, I, whether I had to make 15 saves or, or 50, Koskinen gets his first win since January 16th. He'd been 0-6-2 since well, then. We've had Grant Fuhr on a number of times, and he always talks about it. It's all about the wins. And, and sometimes the wins is a 6-5 win, but you made a big save at the right time. Before the game, the one thing I said, if I was a, a betting guy, you bet on the Oilers tonight. Koskinen hasn't won an eight. The, the Islanders are 9-0 in the second game of back-to-backs. The odds say that those are going to have to flip-flop, and tonight it did. Uh, and the Oilers certainly deserved the two points they got simply from an effort level, a battle level, and a control of play. They were the better hockey club, and hopefully this will translate now to, you know, you got, the, you got three points in, out of four. Let's see if we can get five out of six, and you start working that way. Well, for the fifth game in a row, the Oilers outshoot the opposition. 
And we talked about on the road trip, all those shots and a shooting percentage of just barely above three. And I'm sitting there watching the third period thinking, is this going to be another game? So we had that huge chunk of games, 18 of 19, where the Oilers were outshot. And we're sitting there saying, if only they could find a way to get more shots. If only they could get more pucks to the net. And then they go on the road. They did a pretty good job. Couldn't win. Uh, wound up shooting Arizona thanks to a big third period in overtime. And then tonight, I'm, I'm thinking, is this going to be another night where we're sitting there talking about all these shots and not able to get, to get the goals? So they do pull out a 4-3 overtime victory against the New York Islanders. Sam Gagne had a goal tonight. That made it 2-0 Oilers way back six and a half minutes into the first period. And Toby Reeder who is still struggling with that zero in the goal column, but he was a setup man on that play. He played very well, and uh, you need, and we talked about unsung heroes to come up big at big moments in this game, and that was a huge goal, and he, he used his speed, and I think he needs to gain traction. He needs to gain confidence, and you gain confidence on a game like this. You didn't put the puck in the net, but you created something. You did something positive for your team. And I know as an ex-player, at the end of the night when you go home, you start thinking, okay, was I a positive influence on that game? Was I, um, did, was I, was it, did it even matter who was out there or was I negative? And I think uh, a lot of the players, I think, and I'll ask all of the players tonight, can think they were a positive influence on this hockey game. And that's confidence builders as you go into the next game. You felt that you contributed. And there's probably a lot of nights this year where a number of the players on the Oilers went home thinking, I didn't contribute at all. Well, tonight, I think everyone did. So 4-3, the Oilers win in overtime as we check the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals with daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options. Head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. The Stars and the Blues, 11-game winning streak. Dallas wins that one 5-2. Coyotes and Canucks, 1-1. With about nine minutes left, the Capitals beat Toronto 3-2. Ovechkin gets his 43rd. Hurricanes knock off the Panthers 4-3. Devils shut out the Senators 4-0. Stone, Zingle, and Duchesne all held out by the Senators. Had John Shannon on the face-off show from Sportsnet. He thinks they're traded before Monday. The deadline is Monday at 1 o'clock. Minnesota wins 4-1 against the Rangers. San Jose over Pittsburgh 4-0. Mike Sullivan... Eve Ho ejected from the game. He did not look happy, and he said a lot of words that you and I are not allowed to say on radio. That's why he was and ejected. apparently he's not allowed to say them to a referee, <laughs> at least not in the manner he, he conveyed them. Sometimes it's your tone, not just the words you're using. I think this might have been a combination of tone and, <laughs> and word language. Canadians over the Flyers, 5-1. Gallagher, a hat trick. He has 26 goals on the season. The Lightning are now 47-11-4. Sabres gave him a good run tonight, but the Lightning win it 2-1 in a shootout. And the Predators knock off the Los Angeles Kings 2-1. Roman Yossi with the game winner in that one, his 14th goal of the season. Okay, you can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll go into both dressing rooms for post-game reaction as well. We are live in Studio 99. Oilers win it over the Islanders 4-3 in overtime. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. Clutterbuck was drilled from behind by Lucic. The puck pops loose and here's Zizekas to the net. Short side stuff and a save made by Koskinen. Miko Koskinen saved the game for Jiffy Loop. Get winter ready at JiffyLoopService.ca. The Edmonton Oilers getting past the New York Islanders 4-3 in overtime. Busy first period. Oilers went up 2-0 early. The Islanders got three before the end of the frame. Clefbaum ties it at 17-08 of the third. McDavid wins it a minute 22 into overtime. Now, McDavid did get a penalty today for a check 
to the head on mm-hmm. Nick Letty. Do you think that one might be looked at by the I, I think it will. I think it'll be a fine. It, it was it was obvious. I mean, it was an easy call for the referee. Uh, so if if we saw that coming towards Connor McDavid, someone doing that, we would expect uh, more discipline afterwards. I think it will be a fine from the NHL. All right, we'll get to your phone calls in a minute here, but first, courtesy of GCL Diesel, genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com. Here's Hitch. Ken, uh, no matter what happens with this uh, here, I mean, there's not a lot of quit in this team. That's got to be a good sign for you guys. No, it's seven of eight. I, um, I was a little bit nervous when we went down 3-2 because we kind of, we played so well. And there was, that's the first time I saw a flat line from us in the last eight games. And then you're starting to think you've put in all this effort and there's no reward at the end. But we came back again. We stayed with it. We battled and clawed and scratched. And I think winning today can even take us to another level. I mean, I know we're playing really well. We're, we're, we've got, there's a lot of continuity in our game right now. But uh, getting this win is going to be able to be a lot easier for us to sell it now, sell some of the stuff we're asking them to do because when there's no reward, you're, you're going to start looking for a different way. So that was really good for us and for the players and also for the coaches. Really good. So when Connor misses one game, he just comes back and he sets up the, the first one and then scores the winner. That's yeah, I, I, I th- need much time off. I thought as the game went on, he really got engaged. You know, it, it took him probably half the first period to really get engaged again. But I thought after that, he, you know, he's standing up on the bench. He wants to come out every second shift. And um, you look at, uh, he was 13:34 after two periods, and he ended up playing 23 minutes. So that's, you know, that's a lot of minutes to be played in that third period and in, in the overtime. Did a good job for us. Uh, McDavid's hit on Letty. Do you feel like he maybe made contact with the head there, and do you expect him to possibly hear from the league on that hit? Uh, I don't know how that stuff works. You know, I leave it for people way above my head. So if we hear something, we'll deal with it. You know, there was nothing intentional. I know that. Um, looked to me like Letty kind of stopped up quicker than Connor thought he was, but that's for the league to decide. Ken, what did you think of the way the game kind of progressed in the second period? It just seemed like the Islanders tried to suck the life out of it. And, and was that a little bit challenging for your group to kind of push f- uh, forward and ultimately get that, that tangle? Well, that's why they got the record they do. They're, they're a veteran team, a lot of experience, and they check. And so they grind you down. And they, they you know, I, I always use the term death by a thousand cuts. They just, uh, they take the air out of your game and... They take the energy and then and then you make a mistake. I think the thing I was happiest about through the second period, we still played pretty well, but we didn't make the big error. And that's what we did in other games when we were so energized, but we made a big error and paid for it. We didn't do that. We made two errors in the third period, but none in the second. So we're able to keep the game, even though we were playing well and still getting scoring chances, we weren't giving up odd man rushes or breakaways or taking penalties. And... Uh, you know, I, I, this is, I felt like we, we deserved to win, and I felt like the hockey gods were going to take care of us in the third period because we'd played so well and we'd, we'd earned the right to win a game again. Did you think you would beat Leonard, though? You mentioned this morning that he's huge in the net. He was making all the saves, no cleft bombs goal. Well, I find as a coach, like when you're watching other goalies play, there's certain goalies for me that intimidate coaches. You know, they intimidate the opposition. 
he to me intimidates people because he looks so calm. I mean, we you go back and look at this thing, and, and there was 20 great scoring chances for us, and he he doesn't get out of position. And, and the second and third saves he made, especially on those two flurries in the third period. He's, he's always in the right position. He's very calm in the net, and I find that from a coaching standpoint, Jim, be a little bit intimidating. That is Ken Hitchcock. The Oilers beat the Islanders 4-3 in overtime, and Hitch said it. we didn't make the big error that we've seen in a lot of other games. That's the adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Goal and an assist each for Dreisaitl and McDavid. Dreisaitl Takes 24 face-offs tonight, goes 50%. How about Big David? Goes 10 of 13 in the dot, 77%. Yeah, he came back from his illness quite well um, and got better as the game went on, as Hitch talked about. Uh, it, Leon, I think, is just continuing to, 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 to make strides forward and to prove that he's not just a, uh, a sidekick for, for Connor McDavid. I thought he was excellent again tonight. And it's funny, we're upstairs, so we get to, when we watch the play, it seems like we can see the play develop before it really does. When that puck, I think it was Pollock's stick in overtime, when that puck went over his stick, I'm like, okay, that's game over. Because mm-hmm. Leon, he's like a train. When he's going off forward, you're not going to stop him. And eventually, I mean, Pollock made a nice play, but you can't contain him. You might push the puck off him, but Leon's big and strong. He's still going to make a play. Uh, I thought Leon and, and Connor were exceptional again tonight. And when they get goaltending, when the Oilers get goaltending, they have a chance in every game because they have the best player in the league. And you got another guy who's having an outstanding season. But you talked about not making the big mistake. One of the reasons they're not making the big mistake tonight is the defensive core they have in tonight. They've had a lot of players in a patchwork defense throughout the season because of injuries. This is the defense they expected to have at the beginning of the season. They don't make the big mistakes like you'll see when other players are filling spots and playing higher than they should be in the lineup. I thought Sekra looked good. I think Benning's come back from his injury and played well. That is a very good third pairing. And now everyone else is slotted exactly where they should be and gives the Oilers a fighter chance. 4-3, the Oilers win in overtime. They're now 25-29-6 on the season. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll bring Tony onto the open line. Hey, Tony. How's it going? How's it going, boys? Good. Um, I got a question um, that I've been wondering for a few for a few games now. Okay, so you know we've been out school, we've been out shooting at the opponents and everything like that. And from what you've been, he- I don't know if you guys have been hearing this on Twitter, but Gretzky has said that he is going to be a seller at the trade deadline. Do you believe he will? Because okay, he signed. I, well, okay, but I I haven't heard Gretzky come out and say that. Because I thought it was like a week ago where he said that he want he maybe be a seller or a buy, no sorry a buyer at the deadline because he thought he thinks that the boys have a chance to make playoffs. Do you think he still will be a buyer at the deadline? Well, I don't, I don't. I don't think he committed either, either way, no. Tony. And I I just don't know what the Oilers if they come out and say we're not going to trade a high draft pick or a young prospect. I don't know what you're bringing in, and you can't really bring in any salary. I mean, unless you have something big going out. I mean, they had to they had to trade Talbot and and assign Manning just to free up space to bring Sekera back. So I I, I don't see the Oilers doing any any, uh, any sort of eye popping deal, bringing in or or sending out before the deadline. I, I agree. I, I think that uh, the Oilers are probably going to stay status quo. They may move uh, an Alex Chason if the the move is right. 
but you're not going to the others are not going to make a move i believe unless it helps them in the future i don't think you're making a move just to hope that you make a playoff run this year i think if there's something they can do that's going to make them better next year or the year after yes i could see them doing that but i don't see honestly i i, I don't see them bringing anything in as either i think the lineup they have right now is going to be the lineup that's going to try and make the playoff push. Oilers beat the Islanders 4-3. The favorite, well, one of them anyway, for Coach of the Year is Barry Trotz of the Islanders. Here he is for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, License Insolvency Trustees. Well, I did in the first after a, a, a slow, sloppy start. Um, I, I liked our response, and then um, I just thought we uh, we just sat back too much. We were sitting back too much, and we got those detail right now. We, you know, even on the winning goal, we had uh, a lot of almost there, not, not you know that full commitment that you need. Does that sort of build on itself when a team is playing so much in your own eye that you just can't break the puck out? Or? Well, yeah, yeah. When when you when you when you you don't execute coming out or you don't make good plays or whatever, um, you don't have any zone time, and and therefore you're just changing, you know, getting it up and changing. So um, they do a better job there. So. You've had a couple games where you know you didn't go you didn't go your way. Uh, the good teams, the successful teams, uh, stop this, right? It doesn't yeah. last in the next week. Is that the chore for this club? Yeah. Well, we we've uh, you know we haven't lost too many times. Uh, you know, three or four games in a row. That's been you know uh, early in the year we had a couple of of uh, stretches where we well I think we lost three games, but. Um, we just yeah, you just got to stop the bleeding and get the next game. The next game's most important. That's how you have to look at it. This one's done. I'm assuming, buddy, since he came back from the game, he was fine after going through yeah. protocol. <laughs> Correct. What did you make of McDavid? Well, it's it's he's, he's bent over and and. Um, takes a hit to the head, so I, I'm not going to comment on it. The league will look at it, and if it's warrant anything, uh, they'll look at it. All right, that's Barry Trotz of the New York Islanders. Scott Johnson working the visitors' dressing room. He talked about stopping the bleeding and not letting the losses mount. So they get one point out of the two games in Alberta. The Islanders have not lost back-to-back games in regulation since December 4th and 6th against Winnipeg and Pittsburgh. They've had a couple of stretches where they've lost back-to-back in a, in a shootout, but that's how you rack up the points. That's why you <laughs> are where you are been. in the division. That's why you're a playoff hockey club. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have a bus on the line. A bus. Thanks a lot for calling. Good evening. How are you guys? Good. I'm amazed that this team played awesome tonight. But my question is, they improved on the power play, the PK tonight. But the thing, what I'm worried about is, is you know when they come into Toronto. They just forget how to play against those East teams. But do you think like, if we win on on Saturday with Anaheim, like with a shutout, we have a chance at the playoffs? And like, let's say if we make the playoffs, will we make it big? Or will well, it just be average? Well, no. If, if the Oilers make the playoffs, it's going to be just barely. I mean, if you look at mathematics, they have... I don't know what the update will be. Probably about a percentage and a half chance of making the playoffs. Probably there's, a, about 4%, there's, a web, yeah. there's a website that runs millions of simulations of the rest of the season every night. 
You touched on the PK there. I mean, that, that's continued the struggle for the Oilers. 29th in the league coming in tonight. They don't kill off an Islanders power play tonight. Granted, though, one of them was a, a five-on-three. But uh, generally, it, well, not generally. I mean, that has been a weakness. for, the, And that's been a weakness for the Oilers all last year, too, and all of this year. Well, it, it, what, what happens when you struggle on the power play takes away some of your aggressiveness as a, as a team five-on-five because you, you can't be a physical team. And the Oilers are bigger and stronger than a lot of teams in the league. And they play with a little bit of swagger. But when you know you can't kill a penalty, it has to change the way you you play a little bit. Uh, When the Oilers are playing 5-on-5 as well as they have been as of late, it's tough when you take that penalty and all of a sudden all is for naught. You have about a a 7-8 minute stretch where you dominate, then your penalty kill goes out there and gives up a goal. So the Oilers have got to find a way to figure out what they're doing wrong on their penalty killing. Now it's no longer you can blame on a coach. I know that before, well, Todd McClellan's doing this wrong or whoever he's got doing it. Well, now it's a new coaching staff and the penalty killing still struggles. So I, I, I think in the off season, I know that the others are going to look for scoring wingers, but there's something else they have to look for and that's players that can excel on a p- penalty kill. Now those players are cheaper to find mm-hmm. because that's all about hard work and commitment. But this has been something that's been going on for a number of years. Therefore, that tells you that the players that they have in the dressing room aren't capable of being great penalty killers. And that's not all of them, but some of them. And they got to find guys that can play that role. Oilers win over the Islanders 4-3 in overtime. McDavid with the winner. Sam Gagne with the goal tonight. You will hear from him. Tanner's going to finish the play. We're live in Studio 99. Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Sam Gagne to win it for the Edmonton Oilers in a shootout. In over the blue line, between circles, rear shot, score! And Edmonton comes all the way back, tying the game in the final minute and winning it in the shootout. Both goals courtesy of Sam Gagne, who's being mobbed by the Edmonton Oilers coming, pouring over their bench to celebrate a 3-2 victory. Just their third loss in the last 16 games. Oilers move in. Here's a chance. Reader back door. One-timer score. And welcome back to Edmonton. It's Sam Gagne with a goal to make it 2-0. Gagne's first goal as an Oiler since 2014. Well, great work there by Kellen Kennedy back at the 6.30 Chet Broadcasting Compound, April 4th, 2014, when Sam Gagne tied the game against the Phoenix Coyotes at 19-19 of the third and then had the game-winning, the game-deciding goal in the shootout. And Gagne back with the Oilers and scoring his first goal as an Oiler since April 4th, 2014, as Edmonton beats the Islanders 4-3 in a shootout. Here is Gagne for GCL Diesel. Genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices. GCLDiesel.com. Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing is getting a win. Um, You know, I think, uh, you know, we've been fighting a little bit. I think we've played some pretty good hockey, though, and um, a lot of times, uh, you know, you fight through that and get a win and hopefully go on a streak here. So that's uh, that's our focus. Uh, it's a huge win for us, and um, it's got to give us some confidence, and and then uh, we got to go get another one. Is that your last goal as a It's a long time ago now. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. 
Does it bring back kind of some Edmonton Oilers memories to score here? And I know it's a different you know building, but just the idea of being back here and just kind of come full circle. Yeah, go. yeah, for sure. I'm uh, like I said before. I mean, I have a lot of great memories here, and. Uh, Hoping to build some new ones, and uh, it's a good start. Um, nice to get a goal and a win, and uh, there's a great play by Toby there to, to find me on the backside, and um, you know I'm pretty good with a four by six, so it's a good feeling, and uh, just got to keep it going. Maybe just a comment on the team's effort from start to finish. You started out the gate hot, and you ended it that way too. Yeah, um, I thought we played really well outside of the the stretch in the first one. You know, we took some penalties. Uh, I thought we carried the game for the most part, and um, that's a huge confidence boost for us against a really good team, and i uh, got to keep it going. All right, that is Sam Gagne, second goal of the season, first as an Oiler this year. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in Studio 99. Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, so Gagne said it. he's pretty good with the 4 by 6 Which is funny, but not as easy as it looks. We right. saw Alex Jason miss the exact same one the other night. I, I just going through the time on ice tonight. I, he played more than six or seven other forwards on the Edmonton Oilers. Here's a guy that was uh, picked up from the minors, traded for a guy that the others couldn't wait to get out of a contract. I don't know if the expectations were, or, you know, really high for Sam. The, it, it was a comfortable feel getting a, a player that's been here before, a good professional. But he's come in and he, he's got some desperation in his game. He's got. He, he understands that this is probably his last opportunity and he wants to make something of it. And I know from experience, having gone from the minors back to a city that I was comfortable in, it made it much easier for him coming to Edmonton. If, it was, if he was going to Colorado or, or LA or some other city, you know, he would have loved the opportunity, but he was going into an unknown. I think the fact that he knows the city, he knows the fans, uh, you know, he's got a couple teammates that he's played with before, and just the entire organization, it was a much better fit for him, and he's taken full advantage of it. And uh, the biggest thing that you like about his game is he's not afraid to put pucks on net. He shoots from anywhere, and I think that's something that the Oilers have sorely lacked most of this year. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Tanner standing by. Hi, Tanner. Hello. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Good, good. Um, so I just want to start off by giving credit where credit's due, and uh, that third period, that was some exciting hockey to watch in a long time. Um, now, this is kind of going, my question is, this is going back to probably about December when St. Louis wasn't in the position they are today, mm-hmm. um, when they had came out and said, you know, you know, where Shirley had said, you know, we're going to do anything to get to the playoffs, anything's really on the table. I was thinking of a guy to play with McDavid like Braden Schmidt. He's got one year left on his contract. He's about $5 million. He's 26. He's big and skinny and hit. I think my, the only thing is that he's a left-handed shot. I think they need more right-handed shot. To me, I think he would be a heck of a fit to play with the big. Well, I think he's a, a heck of a fit to play anywhere. He's a good hockey player. But yeah. what, what can he – I mean, first of all, the others can't take his contract. Second, what are the others going to have to – I mean, he is a, a, a very good player. What are the Oilers going to give up to get him? The problem for the Oilers is they don't have a lot of depth. They, they've got three superstars or three stars on their team. Uh, they got a couple young players that they hope are going to turn into something. But they don't have a lot of other things that they can give up, give up as assets. So I, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if Tanner is suggesting, are you suggesting going after him in the summer, though? But he has another I year would, left. 
I was saying, oh, I was sorry. saying because they were looking for some term, and I, I mean, any any chance like when Lucic, when we signed Lucic, like it was all hyped up that okay, he's gonna play with McDavid, and that really didn't kind of turn out to be. So McDavid is like an asset and a star, and everyone wants to kind of come play with McDavid, and just being the position St. Louis was in in December. Now they're not gonna trade him. But, you know, when they when the first round draft pick came out, when it came out and said that was on the table, and, you know, Yessi Puyarvi might be on the table, I think, you know, and it seems to be when guys leave Edmonton because maybe the media comes down on them too much, they go do better elsewhere, that a guy like Brady Shen, who's young still, can shoot, and I would say he would be, a, I think, he would resign with Edmonton. And he would definitely be a top six on my team for sure. Well, he's a top six anywhere in the National Hockey League. The problem is the Oilers don't have the assets to get him and don't have the salary cap to keep him. I mean, he would be great, absolutely. I could go through the National Hockey League and find you a number of really good players for the Oilers to play with Connor McDavid, but the Oilers need uh, to be able to get... They, they have no salary cap room. And they don't have the assets that are going to take to get a brain Chen. Brain Chen is a very good hockey player. He, he, by the way, missed tonight's game with an injury. 11 goals, 39 points in 55 games on the year. We're going to finish the play with Tanner, hoping to put his name into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting. Safe adrenaline pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. Sacker, right side for Cave. Now it's Lucic. A backhander floated on that. Rebound, score! And Edmonton's tied the game late again. This time, Oscar Kleffbaum buries it. And we've got a 3-3 tie. With 2.52 to go. So Clefbaum scores late, Tanner. How many goals does he have now on the year? Four or 14? Clefbaum has four. Absolutely. We're going to put your name into the draw. Clefbaum ties it, and McDavid wins it in overtime. 4 3 is the final against the Islanders. Whenever the Oilers get to five in a game, you can go to 630ched.com, look for the Japanese Village Goal Light. You can print up a coupon for a free appetizer, steak and seafood cooked right at your table, Edmonton South, downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. So Edmonton getting its 25th win of the season, 25-29-6. And, and Arizona won? Arizona won Arizona in overtime. Won in overtime. So that's our final look at the Edmonton trailer scoreboard. So the Canucks will get a point. 3-2. 3-2. So Arizona, so here's the, you know, I'll do the playoff cut line here. Minnesota, 62. They have the second wild card. Colorado, Chicago, and now Arizona, 61. Vancouver, 60. Anaheim, 57. Edmonton, 56. And L.A., they lost tonight, so they're last in the West with 52. So there is a, there is a long, long way to go. Well, the, 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 the problem for the Oilers isn't the number of points they're behind. Well, I would suggest that's part of the okay, problem, Okay, that's part of the problem, but the bigger one is the number of teams. And a perfect example tomorrow, Colorado and Chicago play each other. Two teams that are both five points in front of the Oilers? Yeah. Both five so points. One yeah. of them is going to win, so one of them automatically is going to be seven points ahead of the Oilers after tomorrow night's game. So the number of teams is probably a bigger obstacle, although the number of points ain't pretty easy either. We will go to Hazen on the open line. Hazen, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. How are you guys doing? Good. That's good. Uh, big win tonight. Not trying to take the attention off of that, but I got a question that uh, more than a few Oilers fans, I think, would have um, regards to uh, 20-year-old Yessa Pugliarvi. 
I understand he's got a lower body injury at the moment. Um, come time to be uh, activated, is it more likely that uh, if it's before the deadline that you could see him on move or AHL Bakersfield? Well, I think he should go to Bakersfield. He could. I mean, he we he could be traded. He could be. I to me. I, I know they've said they don't want to trade any prospects, but the, uh, it's just become so almost awkward with him. Well, you you want to wonder what's going on behind closed doors if there's uh, if the agent is suggesting strongly that it would be better if he moved elsewhere. Again, you and I know nothing. Um, but he's. I mean, the agent talked to, to Spec last week. And yeah, kind of. They obviously left the door open for a trade. Oh, no, no agents yes. are always going to lobby for. But they're also, but there could be stronger language or stronger words towards a GM privately. And sometimes they just leak little things out, but they're they're stronger when they're in private meetings. Um, to me, I, it, you you only trade him if you get what you feel is fair value for him. If not, you send him to the minors. If he doesn't want to go to the minors, well, then he can take the rest of the year off. But you don't trade an asset. Uh, a number four pick overall unless you're getting something back you feel is going to help you going forward. And the whole injury situation is is very odd. Hitch, who has been pretty open about injuries, and last year in Dallas said, I'm sick of upper body and avoiding stuff. He just said, I'm going to tell the media and the fans what's wrong. And he's generally been like that in Edmonton. And then today he gives us the, oh, it's some medical term I can't even pronounce. I mean, I don't know. It's very it's strange. Weird. It is very weird, but it's outside of what we know because we haven't been told anything either. I was, I was shocked when he, he wasn't sent to the minors. He was put on the IR. Um, hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully he's back playing in, in, down in the minors where he can start to gain confidence because he's not gaining confidence in the press box. He's not gaining confidence on a fourth line. And it's almost, is it almost at the point with him where if you're trading him, you're just saying, okay, we're just going to agree that this hasn't, hasn't worked out? Because you said fair value for Jesse Pugliarvi. What is fair value for Jesse Well, you've got to get some. I mean, you, you, you gave up. You, you took the fourth pick well, overall. That's, that's what I mean. Yes. You're certainly not getting something so of that you, caliber back. So if you're getting a second or third round pick for him, no, I would make the trade. I send him to the minors, hope to find his game. I mean, at the end of the uh, next year, if he comes back and things don't work out well for him again and he get a fourth round pick, well... All right, so he went from a third round to a fourth round. Big deal. But if all of a sudden he turns his game around and becomes a contributor at the National League level, he's got skill. He's got size. He's got to learn the game. That's his biggest thing. Upstairs, he just has to figure out how to play the game. Uh, is he capable of doing it? I hope so. Um, but you're not going to give him away for something that's not going to make you a better team. All right, the Oilers beat the Islanders 4-3 in overtime. We'll get to Phil at 780-496-0063. Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chips it off to Connor McDavid on the right half boards. Stripped by Cal Clutterbuck. Regained by Nurse. And now Nugent Hopkins back to McDavid. Loads and fires. Tipped home and Edmonton's got a power play goal and a 1-0 lead. Leon Dreisaitl gets his 14th power play goal of the season. The Oilers team record is 20, shared by what two players? Gretzky in 83-84, Ryan Smith in 96-97. Tyler knew that. He gets his name into the draw for a $1,000 prepaid Visa gift card courtesy Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved, alpinecredits.ca. That was the first goal of the night, as correctly picked by Mike Moeller pregame. 
I can't believe they didn't listen to Mike. I mean, I've never, ever spoken to Mike, and he's not told me the right thing. So, <laughs> And the Oilers beat the Islanders 4-3 in overtime. Islanders captain Anders Lee, courtesy of BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustee. Um, it was their game the first 10 minutes, and then after that, until the last two, it was their our game. We came back, we battled back, and had a lead, and uh, we let this one go, and it's just uh, it's unacceptable. You know, the last two games, maybe the start hasn't been what you guys have wanted, which hasn't really been a characteristic of this team. Just what do you attribute the last two starts to? Uh, I mean, a little bit slow off the get-go, and, um, you know, obviously you start four minutes in the box. Um, a little bit bad luck, but four minutes in the box with these guys. Uh, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball to get to get things started. And, you know, by the end of the period, we have a lead. So you fix it right away and, and you move on. Um, and, and then uh, you, you, you play the rest of the game. I mean, that's about it. We had a one-goal lead for quite a while. I mean, you guys get a point out of this. Does it maybe feel like a sour point just given the fact that you came out with one? Yeah, it's a sour point tonight. Um, it's a point, but it's sour. All right, sour one for the Islanders, sweet one for the Oilers. McDavid in overtime, Clefbaum tied it late, 4-3 is the final. We have Phil standing by. Phil, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, guys, I haven't talked to you for a while. Read, Rob. First off, uh, who said that this team is just not good enough? Well, I've said that. A lot of people have. Who said that Cassian is, not a, is, a, is just a fourth liner? Probably a lot of people, too. <laughs> uh, you know what? Um... I want to kind of comment on, first of all, Lucic. Um, you know what? Uh, he's going to be here for a while. We know that. There's no changing that. Um, what I suggest that we should be doing with him is he should have specific orders. When we're in the offensive zone and he's on the ice, no matter what line he's on, park his huge frame in front of the net. There isn't another defenseman out in the league that can move him. And when the puck goes in the corner, leave that position, go deliver a bone-crushing body check and go back in front of the net. When we're, when, when we're in, in our defensive zone, then remove them guys from in front of the net and right, same thing, go in the corner and clean house. No, you're not going to have Milan Lucic down low in your own zone. Never. Well, we got to do Well, the offensive zone, exa- you said exactly what he needs to do and what he's trying to do, but in the defensive zone, his job is the winger. You don't want him working down low because he doesn't have the foot speed and he'll get beat out of the corners by small shiftier centermen. You want him playing high and taking care of the defenseman. Phil, I, I want to ask you a question, and I appreciate that you're a regular caller, and I, I appreciate that you always try to say something positive because I agree, we can get caught up in criticism and negativity. Mm-hmm. But the Oilers are 27th out of 31 teams in the NHL. What makes you think they are good enough or that that is good enough? You know what? Um, I watch. I, I either watch every game or I listen to every game here on chat. And uh, honestly, uh, I really didn't like McClellan, and I really didn't, didn't like Talbot, and I've said this to you guys before, okay? And uh, what I didn't like about McClellan was his negative comments to the press. As soon as we got uh, Hitchcock in, I seen that abrupt change in a positive attitude, okay? He wasn't dumping on the guys, and I've seen our team slowly, progressively, number one, get healthier. Yeah, we had Clefbaum get injured. Yeah, we had Russell get injured in the same game. So we went down there in our defense, right? But our team is slowly, steadily improving, improving its uh, confidence, and you know what? Uh, we're showing up and we're playing 65 minutes of hockey. 
as compared to you know, um, and I've heard I've heard uh, Hitchcock say this, and I've heard you guys say this as well. Uh, we got to win goals by one game. I disagree with that. You know what? If we're up by two points at two goals at the end of the period, keep doing what you're doing. Don't go in cruise control and don't go on defense. Okay, the, the, when, when, it say, when it says that, he's not saying don't score more. He's just saying they're not capable. He says well, this is a low-scoring team that's going to win games by one goal because they can't outscore teams. Teams are more skilled than them. Phil, I'll tell you what. I hope it's an incredibly dramatic and exciting drive here down the last uh, six weeks of the season. So I hope we hear from you again, buddy. That was Phil, 7-0-4-9-6-0-0-6-3. The Oilers do get the win tonight, 4-3 in overtime against the New York Islanders. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8 live from Claire Drake Arena. I'll be there for game one of the Golden Bears playoff series against the Calgary Dinos. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, and to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. Oilers Hockey is presented by Osmond Auction. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open line. McDavid in overtime 4-3 over the Islanders. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night.